0: He's not your servant. It's fine.
1: So, you're gonna be queen of the Iron Islands once I kill my uncle.
0: And what will
2: you be, handsome?
0: Whatever my queen commands.
2: You'll be my advisor, my protector. Oh, I see. Your protector. So if someone gets too close to you, he might have to intervene
0: to hold that person back.
2: Until they've made their intentions known. Why are you standing all the way over there, then? A foreign invasion is underway. Don't give they up my invade. secrets. We don't keep the tape. <laughs> I want Kim to be my friend.
1: I know. Me too. <laughs> we are
3: friends. It happened. <laughs> we bonded at the Crackpot Corner panel.
2: We did bond at the Crackpot Corner candle. That was the, the pra- Crackpot Corner <laughs> candle. <laughs> Welcome
1: to Game of Thrones. This is our second episode of the week for Stormborn.
2: We're back. I do want to say, Kim and I knew we would be friends when we were on our panel at Con of Thrones, and we started talking about Cleganebowl, and you started playing the air horns on your phone, and (laughs) I was just like blown away.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Did you? I was like, you
2: can hang. I did. I did. I downloaded an app. I can do it again. Please. 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 (laughs) Maybe. Will this work? Yes. Oh, so funny. I loved it. I did that. That happened. That was the best day of my life. I feel
1: like there's a trend <laughs> so this season, Game Phones. People that have been on the Crackpot Theory panel with you, Hannah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That panel was magic. So for those of you who weren't able to come, the air horns is really all you miss.
1: <laughs> before we get into so. Stormborn and before we introduce our. Amazing guest today, Kim Renfro. I just want to ask, how much time did you guys spend on the Varus is a mermaid theory?
2: I mean, that's why the panel was created. Yeah.
3: I was, <laughs> I want to say like a solid 17 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
2: the, that's the crackback theory I always pull out. So I feel like it's the one I'm most, ver- like I could probably quote the books in a way I couldn't for anything else for yeah. that theory because I just like to talk about it all the time so it's the one I'm most comfortable and also I just feel like it's the most club banger of a yeah.
3: <laughs> it is because as, as soon as you said like okay let's just think about this we've never seen his legs <laughs> <laughs> like the room just went
0: nuts (laughs) people started
3: laughing so hard and it was so Uh, funny because everyone kind of had this collective like
0: we haven't (laughs) seen his Mm -hmm.
2: legs (laughs) well the thing about crackpot theories is it always takes people a few minutes to get into it i feel like we spend so much time trying to be right and trying Mm -hmm. to get the right answer and we're gonna spend the rest of this episode trying to be right or at least you know come up with real answers to these real questions and to take a minute and step away and think about the finer things in life like Varys is a mermaid and what are some of the other big ones that we talked well Clegane obviously but that's not a crackpot theory that's canon yeah
3: Um, (laughs) um,
2: yeah I can also just do it with
3: my (laughs) voice no app required yeah we talked about oh my god there are so many good ones oh the like Dario equals Benjen equals Mm Euron. that's
1: a good one is a really
3: solid one Uh, I don't even know Bruce Bolton is a vampire yes the Bolton theory did we talk about the pounce that was promised? No,
2: we didn't get to. Oh, I remember no. as soon as we all like walked off, exclusive, we all looked at each other and we went, we forgot the most important oh panel. Oh my god, I can't <laughs> believe that happened. The most important theory, yeah, that's so. tragic. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do an episode of Crackpot Theories.
3: We should, we should do a follow up. It's mm-hmm. important. Oh, Jack and Hagar equals Cereo Pharrell Talk about mm-hmm. that one. We also went into, like, Tyrion as a Targ theory, although then we had to be like, all right, there aren't people who don't think that this is crackpot. Well, it's and funny so. because
2: you asked us beforehand mm-hmm. what our least favorite crackpot theory was, mm-hmm. and both Brad and I had the same exact answer. We were just both laughing about how we both hate this yeah. Tyrion as a Targaryen theory. So, yeah, we got to go into detail about that as well yeah so
1: you guys don't think that Tyrion's gonna be riding a dragon this season
2: no i don't think that that's the same no that's not the same well right question oh yeah you're right (laughs) at all
1: right yeah so yes i think now we can introduce you kim
3: great (laughs) (laughs) people are on the edge of their seats who is this
0: person
1: (laughs) Kim froh journalist for insider this is insider.com and she's one of our favorite folks that covers Game of Thrones. And uh, absolutely we, we we were so excited that you came and had such a fun time at Con of Thrones. And uh, we were I know we were talking about it earlier today. We had a nice conversation earlier today. I learned so much of the Kim Rinfo lore. I was like, we have to save so much of this for the podcast because it's <laughs> such an interesting story. where do we where do we begin? I'm not sure oh, how man. we pick up well
3: first thank you so much for for having me on i'm super excited and and yeah like you said con of thrones was a blast and uh it just totally blew me away and i can't wait to do it again so yeah so the the kim renfro story uh uh so like i mentioned um before but i so i live in new york i moved here when i was 18 to go to college um and so i got my degree at hunter college actually in cultural anthropology so totally not game of thrones related But
1: But kind of Game of Thrones
3: related. Sort of. (laughs) So I did a lot of like writing and and research and history and like that sort of thing. Um, And it was, I think it was, yeah, it was 2011, obviously, when the show started. Um, I kind of started hearing all the Game of Thrones buzz and I watched the first episode and then was like, oh my God, these are books. And like (laughs) closed my computer and ran to the nearest bookstore and bought all the books and like read them in a summer. Um, so I was just super into, into the books, obviously really, I started watching, following the show as kind of something to like pass the time while I waited for the winds of winter jokes on me. (laughs) lol. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, And yeah, so, so when I was graduating college, I, I was already an office manager at a small business at this bakery. Um, and I just wanted a different kind of administration job. So I got a job at business insider, which is a digital media company where I still work. Um, I got a job there as an office, assi- as an office assistant, actually. Um, and so I was there for about a year and a half just doing like administrative stuff. And I started talking one day with one of our editors and we were talking about like the latest Game of Thrones episode. I think it was somewhere around season four, like Red Wedding territory. Um, and I started like probably complaining about some difference from the books. And uh, this guy was like, Wow, like you know a lot about this show. <laughs> like for someone who's just like stalking our kitchen with soda right now.
0: <laughs> um,
3: and Business Insider is really great because, like, again, like I said, because it's all digital, like they kind of invite anybody to write if you have an idea about something, even if it's not necessarily within like your normal
2: repertoire. That's really cool.
3: Yeah. And so they invited me uh, like to like kind of just in my spare time start writing about Game of Thrones whenever I wanted. Um, and that turned into like a pretty regular thing. So throughout season five, I was like doing like one or two articles a week, just again, like in my spare time. Um, and when I heard that they were like launching a new culture team, uh, and hiring a bunch of full time reporters, I just kind of within my department, like asked around and they wound up having me like apply and I became a full time reporter in like August 2015. And so season six was like the first time that I was full-time like in like the reporting world for game of Thrones. And I've just sort of like grown since then. And so game of Thrones is definitely like my bread and butter, but I write about a bunch of different stuff off season, like all sorts of digital culture. um, Like Westworld is another show that I cover a lot. I, I also have, uh, I started my own podcast with our editor in chief at Insider. Um, it's called Showrunners. And every episode we just interview a different showrunner of a different series uh, for that's kind of amazing. like a, But yeah, sort of really like a cool. behind-the-scenes look at
2: stuff. Sorry, that got a little long-winded, but that's no, <laughs> no seriously, that's so, so cool because I feel like so many of us, like someone like me and so many people listening, I'm sure, who have our day jobs who are doing things that are so far removed from what we do in the game of thrones realm to kind of hear that you basically made this for yourself i just feel like that's so cool and such a cool cool story
3: yeah i feel i feel super lucky uh that I fell into this company that is so supportive um, and has kind of like allowed me to turn this into a career. And it's just, it's crazy how big the show has gotten Mm -hmm. to the point where like, you can have someone like me who is literally writing 10 articles about a single episode in like a 36-hour time period. <laughs> like, Isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah, just because you, like, there's so much out there.
2: Will you talk a little bit about the difference between a fan, somebody who's chatting about it with your coworkers in the kitchen, to being on the other side of things and on the reporting side of that? Can you talk about how that's changed the way you watch the show?
3: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me, I think, now is that I have a hard time – I feel like I come into work on Monday and everyone wants to be like, oh my God, Kim, did you think that was a good episode? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, I I think it was good. But like, I'm almost, I'm almost paying such close attention to like the smallest things that are happening that I, I feel like it's hard for me sometimes to step back and get perspective on Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know. Was that a good season or like, Yeah, like, people ask me now what my favorite season was, and I feel like I always say season four, and I wonder if that's because it wasn't my job. Right. But yeah, so I think that has changed it in a little bit, whereas, like, I'm so close to it now. uh, And, like, it is work, even though it's really awesome work, but, like, all of, like, the stresses and stuff that come along with any job are also Mm -hmm. now attached to watching Game of Thrones, which is interesting. But at the same time, I think now back when this wasn't part of my career, I tend to be a little bit more of like a passive fan of something. Like I'll go really deep into it myself. And with Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire, I was like, I was like voraciously reading Reddit forever. Like basically since 2011 also when I, when I first read the books. Um, but I wasn't like commenting on Reddit threads or right. anything like that. And I wasn't active on Twitter like, or any of that. And so the really awesome part of this being part of my job now is that I I feel like I'm such a part of this community now that I don't think I would have been otherwise. Um, and mm-hmm. that's just been really amazing. Like you guys, like meeting people and like going to Con of Thrones, like I never would have done that as just like my regular Game of Thrones fan self. But now mm-hmm. that like my job kind of forces me to try and like put myself out there and have more of those conversations and meet other people, it's just totally opened up this world that is really, really special and awesome.
2: So Yeah. Well, you have such a great voice and such a great opinion, and you do such an incredible job with your analysis that I think we're all grateful that you're in this position because you bring such a great presence to the conversation. And so it's just I'm glad that we get to all be in it together. Yeah. Me too. Well, thanks, guys. (laughs) Yay.
1: (laughs) specifically i'm looking at an article that we've all been sharing nine details you might have missed on the latest game of thrones episode and of course we wanted to talk to you today about stormborn and we have our set of questions from the podcast that we posted on watchers on the wall and via social media but i thought it'd be kind of cool to look over some of these because uh I look at your work and the the sleuthing and you know the personal perspective and spin you put on it and I'm like, Well yeah, I heard Sunday nights are probably insane. I, I have <laughs> no doubt that you're up until four A. M., five A. M. every Sunday night writing. Yeah,
3: I, I love I love that part of my job so much is kind of getting to to watch a scene and be like, Oh, like that's something that so and so said like four seasons mm-hmm. ago or like they do they they put so much care into crafting all of these scenes. And yeah, Stormborn, Stormborn especially, was so yeah. season one heavy with the references that I loved it, especially because I like just rewatched season one like last month. And so I was like, yes. <laughs> like <laughs> I know what all of these like, great like nods and callbacks are. It was really awesome.
2: I feel like this whole season has just been mm-hmm. major callbacks to things that, and we've talked about this a lot leading up to where we are right now, but so many things calling back, not just in season one, but throughout the whole series. And that would make sense as we finally get to the end of this story that we've been been building on but i definitely think that more so than even last season or before every scene i feel like has something that's either in reference to something that's already been said or conversations due to the characters that we've been waiting to meet together uh-huh. or something like that and so it's been it's been fun to kind of be able to pull those out and to be able to see the things that I'm picking up on and also the things that i'm Missing because I think it's impossible to grab everything your first watch through. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: So, here we have point number one from Kim. During Daenerys' strategy sessions, the title Queen of the Ashes. Was used twice.
3: Yeah, that was (laughs) Yeah. They (laughs) it happened.
1: If you say Um, it like that, it makes it more important. (laughs) Said it
3: twice. Tyrion was the one who first warned Danny that she didn't want to be Queen of the Ashes. And then Danny echoed it. In their second strategy se- like session, which was mm-hmm. also great because Tyrion kind of gave her this like look that yes. was like, "Oh, you are listening to me."
2: <laughs> like, I loved that moment. It was like yeah. it was such a bonding moment between the two of them as they start to work together in a very real way. And yeah. I thought that that look was so sweet.
3: Yeah. And it was also like when Tyrion said it. It was interesting because yeah, like I I note in my in my roundup that it was a reference back to when Varys and Olenna had like their first private conversation, and he tells her he, they're talking about Littlefinger, and Varys says he would see this country burn if he could be king of the ashes, um, and so it's it kind of just points to that sort of like there's potential there for all of these people in charge to go like totally nihilistic and just want to you know be more ruthless rather than pragmatic and i liked that in this episode we got to see danny being counseled that like you know she should probably have a little more caution as she approaches the way that she's going to try and and take the throne and even though that that ultimately didn't work for her at the end of the episode you know like mm-hmm. her plan kind of seemed to have fallen apart but i appreciated having having that conversation between them and and letting us know that she's not going full, like,
2: mad queen. Right, especially given her, her family and her history. And we see Cersei in this episode going on about how she already has a reputation. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's this constant struggle between, and we see this both in the show and the books, between Danny and her history and, and her family versus who she wants to be. And so mm-hmm. I think that was, that was great. Yeah. Next one on here says (laughs) Daenerys thought Jon Jon Snow sounds impressive and described in a way that mimicked Sam Tarly's thoughts on her.
3: (laughs) I love this one. This one was actually tweeted at me by someone, which I I appreciate that now people are like... I get to like crowdsource these because people send them to me in anticipation Mm -hmm. of like the fact that I'm doing this roundup. But yeah, first of all, Danny, just like saying John's name out loud was such a trip.
2: Uh Uh-huh.
1: He sounds like quite a man.
3: that face that she made. And I was like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you don't even know yet. You don't even know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, dude. But also that was such an interesting moment. To me, because that was one of the times that I was like shouting at the TV. I was like, someone mentioned that he died and came back to life. Why is I was surprised
2: that that didn't happen.
3: Right. And then Melisandre says, like she said, summon him and let him tell you everything that he's experienced. So I was like, okay, is she trying to get like John to be the one that says it? But John has also specifically like straight away from any mention of that in like all of his meetings like he he's not gonna bring it up so i was like right. why is, why is nobody talking about the fact that you he would died think that melisandra would life?
2: be touting that right uh, that was like the first thing she would pull out in, right. in that because, moment but because
3: various like specifically says like why do you think that this why do you think that Jon snow has anything to do with this prophecy and i mm-hmm. was like uh, is it the fact that he died and was reborn? No, no. It's the fact that he like united some wildlings in northern houses. That's definitely part of the Azor High prophecy.
1: Do you think that he or do you think that Melisandre is staving off mentioning anything to Danny just to try to, I guess, keep them grounded in Jon Snow and not be expecting more as to not anticipate trouble? Or like someone that is important enough to be brought back to life might, you know give some friction to the Mother of Dragons.
3: Yeah, maybe. I also just, I just in general, season seven and like even towards the end of season six, like we just didn't really see people talking about it. Like I expected Sam to be like, I, I thought that we were going to get Sam's reaction to the news, but instead we just had him like, oh, I just sent a raven to Winterfell. Cause that's where John lives now because he's not Lord Commander. Because he- right died (laughs)
2: like yeah it came
3: back to life they they kind of skipped having sam see any news of that happen and you don't really like no one in the north is really talking about it so i i don't know if they're just kind of glossing over it or if we are going to get that at some point i hope so i saw there's like there was like this really funny meme being shared around on twitter today that was like uh, like Feigned conversation between John and Danny, and it was like, "Oh my God, have you ever been reborn?" Oh my God, yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs>
0: because it's
3: like they have both had like the most magical stuff happen to them out of any character on the show. Like they've
2: lived through the most kind of like batshit stuff. And I hope they get to have those conversations, you know. Yeah.
1: In your article, you point out on the fifth season when Sam is speaking with Maester Aemon. Mm-hmm. The letter is read it says and though Daenerys Targaryen maintains her grip on Slaver's Bay forces rise against her from within and without the letter said she refuses to leave until the freedom of the former slaves is secure and Sam says she sounds like quite a woman
3: <laughs> Exactly so they're both impressive people and the show has made a point to have other people express that and so now it's just a matter of like what's going to happen when they're in front of each other and like huh. I'm not ready, Mm guys.
2: I'm not ready either. (laughs) I'm I'm so ready and I'm also 0% ready. And we, one of the questions that we'll get into a little bit later in the episode deals directly with how we think that scene's going to go down. I think it's going to be a good conversation. It'll be great. Next on your list is John choking Littlefinger was a direct mirror of Ned's encounter with him on the first season. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I loved this.
3: Like. They do so. They do. They do a lot of like dialogue callbacks, but this was like a really great like physical moment. It was also my favorite part of the episode, probably just because I'm in love with Jon Snow and like <laughs>
0: like
3: I feel like Kit Harington has progressively gotten a lot better at like like Jon's such an internal character, um, and it, sometimes it's hard. F- like I I would imagine that sometimes hard for Kit to be like, oh, I look angry and brooding again. But he had so many really great facial expressions in this (laughs) scene. And I, like, with Ned's statue, it was right there. There was, like there was another really great meme that someone shared with me that's I hope like, you're
2: gonna say the one that I hope yeah, that you're me gonna too. say
3: I, I hope this is what it is but it's like it's like the Kardashian meme mm-hmm.
0: where it was <laughs> it was like it's like a still
3: of Ned's statue and the text is just like you're doing amazing sweetie I kid uh, <laughs> you
0: not
2: I have had that open in a tab on my computer since I saw that on whatever Monday morning mm-hmm. I have shown that to everyone in my life because I can't stop laughing at <laughs> that it's, it, we yeah. gotta put that somewhere. <laughs> You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> it it tickled
3: me so much. Like I was dying. It's yeah. And also uh, apparently, so, so like funny. I wrote I wrote this like article, like this section that points out that yeah, so so John chokes John kind of like shoves Littlefinger up against the wall as soon as he starts like crossing the line with talking about Sansa and like, oh, I love her the same way that I love Catelyn. And so Ned did the exact same thing in season one when Littlefinger was first like being all coy and being like your wife isn't in winterfell where you think she is and ned was mm-hmm. like what the heck are you talking about and then little finger leads him to the door of like a brothel and ned thinks that little finger's just trying to like mess with him or somehow imply that catlin is a whore uh and like shoves him up against the wall and chokes him in the exact same way that that john is now doing all of these seasons later i wrote about this like in here I'd, and then i just kind of like pulled it out and wrote a whole separate article about it just to kind of expand on on the parallels happening. But Mm -hmm. someone pointed out, I guess someone on Twitter found out that they they like Google image searched for Ned choking Littlefinger, and my picture came up. <laughs> <laughs> your legacy, <laughs> like, because my article was attached to it, and so then someone like tweeted at me like that feeling when your image comes up when someone does a good like Google image search, and it was like the
2: Ned statue being like, "You're doing amazing."
0: You're doing, you're doing amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: so funny.
2: This this scene is really interesting because we spent a lot of time preseason talking about what this could mean
3: well yeah so i like when when everyone saw this in the trailer and we got like the image stills i ever i and i think a lot of people thought that they were standing in front of liana's statue exactly because mm-hmm. we didn't even i didn't even think about the fact that one would exist for ned by now i mean it makes a lot of sense but we just had not never seen it or seen anybody talk about its creation and so yeah i think we all thought that there, like this was going to be a big scene about his parentage because little finger seems to be one of the few people in the show that knows that john's mother is really
2: liana and john doesn't know yet and right yeah there's all the appointed yeah. all the right reasons that this could ha- potentially happen here in this scene but instead, I know classic
3: <laughs> it, it was like it was like a simultaneous letdown and also I was like kind of doing like a fist pump just because I loved oh, for sure like I loved seeing Angry John
1: how do you think he's gonna find out
3: dude I don't I, I at this point I feel like it's got it's gotta be brand gotta mm-hmm. be brand yeah although I keep hoping that we see present day Howland Reed
0: <sighs> yeah
3: that right? be really yeah, me both like like how do we have we we've got Mira and Jojin, like they they're pretty like well established in the show universe. We got the flashback to Tower of Joy. We saw Howland like the three-eyed raven made a point to say like that's Howland Reed, Jojin and Mira's father. So like he's got Well gotta... Mira just
2: said it in episode 1 that she was right, the right. daughter of Howland yeah, Reed.
3: They uh, I I really really hope that they bring him into the fold at some point because he more than anyone would be a valid source of that information. Whereas Bran, I can see people being like, "All right, crazy tree man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who are John's parents? Like, uh-huh. why do you know that?" Whereas like Helen Reed would be like an existing figure in their universe that like might be more of a trusting source.
1: Don't you see them going full Cranningman? though? Just unexpectedly, season eight. There's battles. Waging cold across open. <laughs> cold up and they're coming out of the swamps and they're shooting the the little thorns and and bubbles great. that kill people out of Boat Kaylin in at a moment's notice.
2: That'd be great. Can I ask you guys a question that's semi-related? Always. Sure. This has come up for me quite a bit. So we're talking about talking about Game of Thrones with people who aren't as in the weeds as we are, or people who are listening. I can't tell you how many people I have had to tell that jon is a Targaryen. And it's to the point where I feel like it's almost. Is it a spoiler? I don't know if you guys run into that because yeah. you're not out there in the masses all the time, maybe, but I just I have told so many people that John is a Targaryen and they didn't know.
3: So the reason why I don't count it as a spoiler anymore is because like so HBO has their like official show blog that's called MakingGameOfThrones.com. And like they they usually release their like their own HBO interviews with the cast. They um they put up photos of, like, props and stuff. Like, this week they put up a bunch of pictures of, like, the letter that Jora writes to Daenerys and the dragon skulls and stuff. And so last year, right after the finale where we got the Lyanna side of the confirmation, basically, they put up this infographic that was basically, like, I think the title of it was something like how all of the lords and ladies of Westeros are related or something. Mm-hmm. And they had, they had, like, Color coded lines for like parent, uncle, blah, blah, blah. And they had a parent line connecting from Rhaegar Targaryen to Jon Snow and Liana Stark. And so, like, after that happened, I was like, all right, HBO just told us. Cats out of the
2: bag. We can tell everyone. Yeah.
3: I was like, this is like the longest running fan theory. There's no way it's not true on the show at this point. So, like, I don't treat it as a spoiler because it's out there. And it's like I don't think that that's going to be the surprising part to anybody. Now I think that the surprising part is going to be a seeing Rhaegar because he is such a mysterious figure. Like I hope Mm -hmm. that we see him at some point too. Speaking of like Howland Reed, but also like what Jon does with that information or what other people do with that information is the more interesting thing at this point.
2: Especially as we as we think about the North and the divide the quote unquote divide between John and Sansa and what John's going to do in Dragonstone. Yeah. That's going to, it's going to come into play in a really interesting way.
3: Yeah. And I pointed this out. I don't, I don't know if we're going to go through my whole like list thing here, but I point out also that at John's like war council, um, Yon Royce gets all in a tizzy about Daenerys and he's like, a Targaryen cannot be trusted. And I was like, you're speaking to one.
0: Yep. <laughs> like, like yeah.
3: your king in the north is part Targaryen. So, like, that's what's going to be really interesting is if people view him differently or, like, or or maybe it would be the opposite. Maybe the fact that he's only half and that he's still actually like Liana's only living descendant would be more important to people.
2: <sighs> I don't know.
3: There's so much that could happen there. It's yeah. It'll be really interesting.
1: Do you think that we'll get an answer this season? Exactly what it means and how it'll impact the series when he finds out
3: with how they're dragging their feet of moving Bran anywhere. I'm starting to think, no, I I hmm. don't know. Like brand showed up at castle black in like the first ten minutes of the premiere, and then we just haven't seen or seen him heard. Sense. I at this point, like he missed John. If he's if he's going to go to Winterfell now, he's missed John. So like I don't see why he would tell someone else before
2: he told John. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I have this que- one of the biggest questions that I have right now about timeline, how things are gonna play out is if Bran shows up in Winterfell while Jon's away, what that'll do for Jon's claim to the throne. Or mm. not the throne, to Jon's claim as Lord of Winterfell. Yeah. And how that's going to change that dynamic, which I think could throw an interesting loop into this conversation of Jon and Danny at Dragonstone and Sansa. And if Bran wants to reveal Jon's true parentage while Jon's away, you know, I don't know. I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting politics at play with the Stark children. And I'm looking forward to seeing how those all kind of converge on each other. Yeah. Well, since we're already talking about it, I think we might as well read our first question that we posed to all of you guys listening. And it says, will John bend the knee in Dragonstone when Davos and John see Melisandre? With John headed south, what will happen in Winterfell? So again, this broader conversation of of like how are all these moving pieces gonna come together? And I think that we can first talk about this John and Daenerys meeting and and how that's gonna go and, and what they're gonna think of each other.
3: I'm gonna freak out, you guys.
1: <laughs> I'm already freaking out. When she said he was sounds like an, quite a man, I was like, okay.
2: Oh, uh,
3: he <laughs> is quite a man. You don't know. Do you even guys know. think it's
1: gonna go well?
3: <laughs> so I,
1: how can it not go well? Yeah.
3: I think the the really interesting thing that's gonna be at play here is that they have so much to talk about that I'm I'm very curious to see where David and Dan choose to have them go
0: first. Yeah, definitely. So
3: like obviously, and and also I think what's gonna pl- what's gonna play into whether or not it goes well, I think partially hinges on the fact that Tyrion specifically withheld the bend the knee exactly thing from the letter that he sent. So John is arriving, thinking, "All right, like I'm gonna go." with this queen and try and get some dragon glass and like maybe leave <laughs> and and like hopefully get her to bring dragons or something too whereas danny thinks that she has just summoned this like would be king in the north and is gonna have him waltz in and like why would he come if he wasn't planning on bending the knee and so i think that's probably gonna be the first like hitch in the conversation is her being like, "Wait, why aren't you just like swearing fealty to me immediately?" And he's going to be like, "Well, I didn't know that that's what you wanted," and also, "I don't care because I need Dragon Glass."
2: Yeah, I think I think so too. I think that I don't think that their initial intro is going to be heart eye emojis as much no. as we would <laughs> like to see. And I'm kind of interested to see. There's a couple things. So I've been thinking about from the trailer, Davos's line about needing to band together, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if. They show up, there's this miscommunication that was done on purpose on Tyrion's part, which was probably smart. Yeah. And then we have this Davos, you know, we got a band together. And then another thing I was thinking about that would be interesting if Varys tells Danny that Ned was the only guy who tried to not have her killed. And yeah. kind of how that all went down and, oh, and what happened yes. with him with him leaving essentially because he didn't think that it was right. And yeah. and so Again, there's so much for them to talk about, but little things like that to then butter each other up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Another
3: thing that concerns me is that Tyrion, I don't think that we've ever seen him fully accept the fact that White Walkers are real. Like, when he was in right. Castle Black in season one, he definitely was like very dismissive of Benjamin kind of being like there's something going on, but I don't really know what it is yet. And Tyrion was sort of like, ha ha ha, like, what are you so scared of? All of that is just like legends. And then I know uh, Lord Commander Mormont like sent letters to King's Landing while Tyrion was the hand, but like Tyrion was so consumed with like the current politics and like his issues as hand of the king that he didn't, if I'm, if I remember correctly, he didn't really seem to like concern himself too much with what, the letters said. Yeah. And so part of me is like, how are they going to re- like react to John coming South and being like, there's a huge war that you guys need to care about. And like, screw the iron throne. Like <laughs> you need to help me.
2: And right, so, how is this different than any other millions of warnings that have been sent out right. over just the course of our, our own series? And I think that John, because he's on this one focused mission which i think he has every right to be i think that he'll do pretty much whatever he has to do to get them to help him or to get them to allow him to use the dragon glass and so if that means bending the knee if that means aligning himself with danny if he can then get this assistance that he's desperate for then i think he'll he'll pretty much do whatever i
3: also think that john has like the streak in him along like ned's lines where like he's going to be as like honorable and polite as possible even if like he's feeling a little stressed or like if things aren't going really well like i don't see him being like completely dismissive of danny's like wish for him to bend the knee but at the same time i don't know i i posed this question on twitter i was like which one of them is going to say your grace
2: first (laughs) oh man and it's
3: totally gonna be john right because like definitely even even when he was speaking with his lords he was like she's a queen and therefore like i as a king need to be the one to speak to her so like he's already recognizing her title of queen whereas she's probably going to be a little more prickly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and with the need for the obsidian and with the fact that At the end of the day, I think that all John cares about is making sure the White Walkers don't kill everyone, and he's there to look for allies as well as dragonglass, and historically speaking, I think that most kings in the north would probably be okay with making an alliance to King's Landing, at least in the the modern sense. It it seems like everyone's kind of making that same reservation, so it's not something that's completely out of the playbook as far as people that are grouping up for each other. So I don't think that John's going to have an issue technically saying that Danny's in charge. Although I think that the show will probably make a thing out of John either bending the knee or not just for a little bit, just just a a little bit of flirtation between those two. I think that (laughs) I'm just curious how much of Uh, their interactions are going to be on that or how much of their interactions will be politically focused, you know? Yeah. I'm curious.
3: I think – I'm just so not a ready. Bit of both. I like. <laughs> I'm not ready to see John flirt with like another human being ever I in know. my life. I know. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm already stressed. Yeah, <laughs> I can't <don't, laughs> uh, it. You, no. He's
1: never met a woman like Daenerys.
3: Hey, Ygritte was a wonderful <laughs> yeah. woman.
1: That's true. That's true. Very
3: capable and badass.
1: That's true. But Daenerys has three dragons.
3: She does. Speaking of which, can we can we just have a second to like say RIP Ghost? Uh, like, yeah. Not that he's dead, but just that like we're clearly probably not going to see him for a while, right? I mean, well, depending
1: on if he I don't think he's going to take Ghost with him to Dragonstone, so no.
2: No. Ghost doesn't get to go on a little road trip.
1: 2K17, no. I was not rewatching
2: Ghost road trip 2K17. <laughs> <laughs> How
3: badass would it have been to have Ghost in the Crips? with John just, so amazing. He, ghost should
1: be with John at all times. I, know. I mean, if you want to make John an epic, you know, I historical know. high fantasy character in a show that has cinematic shots, for the yeah. love of god, please give us Ghost. Please. I know. Well, we
2: had we had the tweet that came out as soon as yeah. the episode aired that scenes were filmed with Ghost. Yeah, they Brian just got said that. Cut. yeah. So, Brian which Tomlin is unfortunate. Tried. He tried. He, he did does. his best.
1: Did you feel that this episode was a bit more bookish than the last or was it just make him
3: Mm no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess it was just you. I was hoping you'd come in and be like, yeah, Brian Cogman it- <laughs> really captured the spirit of A Cooper Crows yeah. in the I second think, act of the episode.
3: I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I I liked the premiere more, I think.
1: Whoa. I did too.
3: Yeah. Whoa.
2: I'm
1: surrounded.
3: I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like that's not to say that it was that Stormborn was a bad episode. Like it was a really solid oh, episode yeah. and I loved a lot of things about it. But I think I think it comes down partially to Mark Malad's directing style. Um he does such amazing things and really great camera work, but I think the way that um the way that he chooses to like cut really quickly between like close ups. And, like, different angles of people having the same conversation. I think I a little bit of, like, the emotional resonance gets lost. For me, I think that that's just a personal preference. Um, whereas with the premiere, we had so many, like, so many moments that just kind of sat there and breathed. Like, you just got to, like, like soak it all in. And it wasn't quite as, like energetic with all of the cuts and so I think that I I think I tend to prefer episodes that that sit in like a little bit more of a quiet space but have like really great character development and dialogue whereas this one felt a little bit more geared towards like action and moving the story forward which is totally what they need to do and it was a really good episode but I think I just
2: I just prefer the theon floating for 15 minutes didn't do it for you (laughs) I love
3: that ending but the whole battle felt like I felt like I was watching
0: it was my TV at, like,
3: 1.5 speed. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, what is happening? Which was the point. But, yeah. So, yeah. They have been, and we talked about this earlier, but, like, they've been dropping so many... Like historical references already in these first two episodes. I know. Like, I love it. When when Sansa was like, "Don't you remember what happened to our grandfather?" and I was like, "Oh my god, yes, I remember. Like, <laughs> I do remember. Are we like that is a flashback? I would love to see because I know like they filmed it for the original that's pilot.
2: Something I would give be everything. Brutal. To I want to
1: see it though.
0: I know mm-hmm.
3: it'd be. Oh. that's another thing. Speaking of like John and Danny and all the things that they have to talk about, but, like, the fact that Robert's rebellion started because of John's parents, which neither of them know, <laughs> but, like, that's why it started. And then the fact that, like, Danny's father was the one who went crazy and, like, murdered John's ancestors and kind of, like, kickstarted the real insane rebellion and then like Danny thinks that Ned is just like a usurper because he supported Robert Baratheon and like Robert's the one that killed Rhaegar like there are so many layers to their family's history that they don't really talk about separately let alone
2: like what are they going to talk about when they're in front of each other I know you can feel the weight of that absolutely it's gonna be huge I hope we love it I hope we love it I
3: think we will I i I I'm trying to just not have any expectations for like the substance of their conversation, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Because
3: I'm very curious to see like what direction they decide to go Mm -hmm. with it and like what they withhold or put out. Like that Various comment, like that idea of Various being the one to be like, just so you know, his quote (laughs) father almost destroyed his entire relationship with robert baratheon over mm-hmm. the assassination attempt on you like this guy isn't who you think he is and same with like like Tyrion already has a pretty good established relationship with john also so i'm really excited to see them speak to each other too
1: i have a feeling it's going to be good just based off of what Tyrion did in episode yeah. two you know
3: yeah mm-hmm. also the davos davos and john and Melisandra being in the same place so soon is not something that I saw coming
2: at all. Yeah, that's going to be really. I'm just curious to see that initial look. You know, mm-hmm. what, what, who, how is everybody going to react on all different sides? And especially after the conversation Melisandre and Danny just had, I just feel like that's going to be some really interesting tension on this already complicated meeting. We have this piece of it here and, I have I have no idea how I think that that's going to play out. I don't think it's going to be great for Melisandre necessarily.
3: It probably won't be great, but then again, like the terms on which John and Davos sent her away were pretty like location specific, <laughs> right? Like, right. They they told her not to come back to the north, and so it's not really her fault that they like
2: followed showed her up. To- <laughs> I know. I would have thought. I think there's going to be a lot of tension there, though. Yeah.
1: Did you see that epic photo of them standing near the water?
3: Varys and Melisandre. Yeah. Yeah. Their conversation is also something that has so much potential in it because I've been very curious about Kinvara, who's like the high priestess of Mm -hmm. Brawler that we Mm -hmm. saw on season six and like she had this whole insane conversation with various where she like revealed that she knew all about his childhood and like when he was cut and the magic that happened and like a voice that spoke to him and like totally freaked him out. And then when he saw Melisandre, he kind of went back to being like, I'm just a cool headed skeptic. Like you don't scare me red woman. But I wonder if like in private, they would have another kind of like come to Jesus moment.
1: (laughs) Or maybe he'll tell her about what Kimvar said about Daenerys as well.
3: Well, right. I'm kind of like, how does Melisandre not know that the supposed high priestess of her entire religious order was very clear about Daenerys being the hero and like the prophesied savior. So that's interesting.
2: So I want to skip down to the bonus question, because I think that we're all just kind of on the same train of thought here. Um, so our bonus question, and then we'll get to questions two and three. What does Melisandre's quote mean when she says, the prince who has promised will bring the dawn, dot, dot, I believe you have a role to play, as does another, the king in the north, Jon Snow. And this has been since that trailer dropped last week. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was such a crucial piece of information that we got. And curious what you guys think about what that means for John and Daenerys' relationship, for the idea of Azora High. I think there's a lot there. And Kim, I know you also wrote a really great article that went in depth that talked a lot about what this prophecy is and was and means and, and what that could mean for both John and Danny.
3: Yeah. So it's funny because before this happened, yeah, before we saw that trailer and then now her line in Stormborn, I was always very staunchly like, I think it's John. Like, I think John is Azor high. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the reason why Danny fits all of it is kind of to, like, throw us off the scent a little bit. But I also, I knew that, like, people out there thought that it wasn't just meant to be a single person. It was supposed to be, like, a combination of people. And I think that that's now where the show is heading with it. Um, from the books and also things that have happened in the show, we know that, like, Azor High and the prince that was promised are kind of like interchangeable titles. Melisandra obviously uses both of them and like there are other people that use both of them as well. And sort of like the main signifiers of this hero are that like, so there's the bleeding star. So it's said that a bleeding star is supposed to signal their like rebirth or their recoming. And Daenerys, when she lit that funeral pyre for Khal Drogo and like literally walked into it and placed her dragon eggs and like that entire big thing all happened right when a red comet appeared in the sky and then the second part of the prophecy says that they will be reborn up among salt and smoke and so again danny's entire like pyre rebirth thing fits into that people also say that john's assassination like fits into the salt and smoke because in the books it's specifically mentioned that one of the night's watchmen who stabs him is crying and like the salty tears and then from John's perspective, he like sees the wounds and they are smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it's a little on the nose, but like, hey, George R. We'll Martin take it. can do whatever he wants. <laughs> and then they are said to wield a fiery weapon, and it's usually referred to as lightbringer. And so in the show, we kept seeing like Melisandre when she was touting Stannis as Azora High, like his sword would like literally be flaming. But it was kind of like, all right, you can just do that with like, magic or whatever sort of chemicals exist in Westeros. Um, But, so, some people think that Danny's dragons are Lightbringer because, like, they are a literally, like, fire-breathing weapon. And so, if you want to, like, loosely translate it as that. And then, for John, some people think that Longclaw, his Valyrian steel sword, can count as that because we know that it's forged, um, it was forged- Obviously in Valyria, I think like the exact mechanics of how you create Valyrian steel are like a little bit mysterious, but you know that like there are spells involved. And also I kind of think possible dragon fire or some sort of like extreme type of fire. Um, So like Longclaw and we know that Longclaw and all Valyrian steel can kill White Walkers, which is the whole point of this weapon right. that this hero is supposed to have is that it's supposed to be able to like fight off the Long Knight and the coming darkness and so obviously Valerian steel kind of is a nice poetic tie into that. Um and then there's like this interesting part of the prophecy for Azor Ahai which is that he in order to create lightbringer, he like tried to forge the sword, he went to go temper it and it shattered. He forged it again and spent even more time on it and then he got a like lion and put the Sword through the lion's heart and tried to temper it that way, and it still shattered. And so, the third and final attempt that he did, he called his wife over, Nisa Nisa, and had her bare her breast and stabbed her with the sword. And that is what finally worked. <laughs> and so, like, there's this huge sacrifice involved with the creation of Lightbringer that you have to literally destroy the love of your life in order to create this like red sword of heroes. And so, again, that's why people think that, like, Danny's dragons might fit in because she had to burn Khal Drogo's body in order to kind of create that blood magic that all tied together to make her dragons come out of the eggs. And then for Jon, some people are like, we aren't sure if, like, Ygritte dying at the the battle at the Wall counts as, like, his big sacrifice, or maybe he's going to have to make some sort of sacrifice in the future. which is also really interesting because people think that if John and Daenerys combined are this hero, then maybe like one of them is going to kill the other. Yeah. That's going to be my to, next like, question. Yeah. That would be nuts.
2: Yeah. So. I think that it, it brings this really interesting complication to this. And I know that this is a theory that's been around before. Like this is a, a, a new thought, but it's not something that I'd really, I like you, Kim was all for this, John is Azor Ahai. Let's move on, kind of thing. Right. And so I think this adds a really interesting twist. I saw somewhere there was a comment somewhere on Watchers that I didn't get a chance to copy because I was scrolling through very quickly, um, where someone talked about John and Danny having a baby who's Azor Ahai, who's what? like the true Song of Ice and Fire, which I thought was interesting. Oh, I'd never God. heard the that sun better before. Better set in the east. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that that I think that there's you know there's so many different possibilities. I just thought that that was kind of interesting and, and different.
3: Well, and so that's the other thing, like yeah, like you just mentioned. So part of part of the prophecy that came from like a vision that Danny had of Rhaegar in the books where he says that the prince that was promised, like his, he says his is the song of ice and fire, which is obviously the title of the book series. This is a very important phrase. I've always thought that John him by himself counts as the song of ice and fire because he's half Targaryen and half Stark, and these are yeah. the two great houses. Targaryen represents fire, Stark in the north represents ice. So, like, by himself, I think that Jon counts as that, but obviously, it's a lot more on the nose if it's Jon and Daenerys because she literally has her dragons and is like full-blown Targaryen and he's currently king in the north he's the only person that's like seen the night king and battled them like he's obviously of the north and of that ice faction and so Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know if we even want to get into this but I I feel like it's it will probably play out differently in the books versus the show I think so because I think the show's going with a little bit more of like a simplified version of it which is that like it's both of them they are the song of ice and fire and it's just like i think it's more fun for the show to have john and da- like john and danny having this like interplay of both being heroes versus needing to pick one of them and kind of potentially turn the other into a not
1: hero or less so than the other yeah yeah
3: it's i, I guess it's a little easier to just take two beloved characters and make them both about mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. if
1: if those outcomes are going to be different if you believe that they're going to be different between the book and the show do you also believe that the way brand interacts with whoever becomes Azor High will be different from the book and the show or do you think that they'll use Bran in the same way
3: that's a good question the way that i think brand ties into this and and i didn't even mention this but like there are multiple accounts told throughout like the world in in a song of ice and fire that described different heroes. And there's one called the last hero. And he's actually part of a story that old Nan tells Bran very early on. And they, they included th- this scene in the show, but they actually cut off Nan's story before she got to the last hero part in the mm-hmm. show. But in the books it continues. And she says, I'll just read this like section of it. Cause I already transcribed it out. Um, she says, so as cold and death filled the earth, the last hero determined to seek out the Children of the Forest in the hopes that their ancient magics could win back what the armies of men had uh, lost.
1: Just got chills. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so like, oh my
1: gosh. That's so that cool. sounds
3: like Bran to me because he's the only person in the show who's gotten even close. Like He actually spent time with the Children of the Forest um, and he was learning ancient magic from the Three-Eyed Raven in order to fight the night king and so like to me bran fits that the most but then what's really interesting is that nan's story continues it says it says he set out into the deadlands with a sword a horse a dog and a dozen companions for years he searched until he despaired of ever finding the children of the forest in their secret cities one by one his friends died and his horse and finally even his dog and his sword froze so hard the blade snapped when he tried to use it And the white walkers smelled the hot blood on him and came on his silent trail, stalking him with packs of pale white spiders, big as hounds. Tony. And then her story gets interrupted.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where are you at? We need to get him in here. (laughs) First first of
0: all, we are totally seeing ice
3: spiders on the show. Oh, I'm not ready. Mm. It has to happen. Mm -mm. It's going to be great. But so, like, (laughs) as big as hounds. That, again, to me, there are like a lot of parallels in there with what bran has experienced like especially in the show with them saying that like his dog died and like we just lost summer in season six and like we lost hodor
1: i'm just trying to hold it together right now while you drop all this knowledge
3: <laughs> i think in both of these scenarios in book and show I think that Bran definitely is going to have to play a significant role in this, if only for like the deep amount of knowledge and magic that he's bringing to the to the equation, but also just because all of these histories seem to overlap and I think that he he has to be a part of it in some way.
1: I used to think that the show and the books would be able to diverge so far on points like that, but the further we get into season 7, I'm I'm curious as to how they can be different with Mm -hmm. all of these mechanics being so precise with these characters.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Another piece that I think is interesting to this whole conversation, we got this comment from Rebecca J. McFarland, who said, I think Melisandre is finally coming to realize that forcing people to fit the mold of a prophecy won't do any good. Hence her mention that prophecies are tricky in the actual War for the Dawn, so she's just doing everything in her power to fight the Great Other with as many people (laughs) as she can muster. makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that brings up this interesting... Point that was brought up a lot in this episode is how many people Melisandre has said or <laughs> high, yeah. and how many times she's gotten it wrong, and whether or not we can trust what she actually says. And I mean, we're talking about all of the reasons why both John and Danny easily fit this mold, either separately or together. But can we take what Melisandre is saying as something that's actually real, or is she just trying to get as many people? into the equation as as possible so i don't know but i think it's interesting
3: i did appreciate that they they had her say like well prophecy can be tricky and i was like yeah duh (laughs) (laughs) you've literally committed child murder over like misinterpreting prophecy Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that you have finally learned that lesson Melisandra.
2: she's gone a long (laughs) way that's for sure yeah
3: good character development there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Alessandra is no longer like fake putting people's swords on fire and telling them <laughs> that they are Zora High.
1: Still wearing the necklace though, but you really can't blame her.
3: That's true. I'm also wondering, like, what, when is that going to come into play again? Because why, yeah. why show us that she's actually like a 400 year old woman if that's not going to matter at some point?
2: Well, and it's been such a long amount of time since we, that was revealed. Right.
3: And that's like, cause Kinvara. Also had a crazy necklace on, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to look up a picture of her right now just to make sure.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: yeah, she has like the same one on. So I wonder if she returns and then they're like this old lady crew.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> <crones>. imagine?
2: <laughs> just like taking over.
1: That'd be pretty badass.
2: Yeah, I'm sure King's Landing really doesn't need another faith-based uh, invasion anytime soon. No.
3: Although, it was yeah, that was also... There were was, was so many loaded phrases in their conversation. But yeah, for Danny, for her to be like, there aren't that many worshipers of the Lord of Light here, are there? And Melisandre was kind of like, no, but that's okay. It'll now. be all right. <laughs>
1: Circling back on our second question, pretty straightforward. Will Sam cure Jora? What does this mean for Sam's time at the Citadel?
2: I mean, he has to, right? I think so. I still haven't watched that scene, even so though I've rewatched really the know. episode oh, four God. times. <laughs> it's really gnarly. I just oh, yeah. rewatched it again today.
1: Kim, what did you think about the big scale getting ripped off? Just the big piece. <laughs>
3: I mean, that was some good visual effects. I was I was impressed with how realistic that looked. Also, just like Ian Glenn and John Bradley West, those two actors were just A plus. I love them so much and i think that they did a really great job in that scene
1: it had to have been fun to film with none of it being real it had to have just been silly and yeah. sweaty
3: ian glenn was selling me on how painful that i know
1: looked. when he was shuddering yeah. when he was getting ripped yeah. off i mm-hmm. was like bite on he that sounded, bite down.
3: he sounded like a dog like whimpering like i i was like oh god like please stop. And it. also like, it's, it's over so much of his body. Yeah. When
2: Sam <sighs> looks at him, when he takes off his shirt and Sam sees all of it, he's like, Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's do I it. I almost
3: wonder if they are using this as the way to get Sam out of the Citadel mm-hmm. because like he, he clearly went against orders and like Archmaster Ebros has kind of made a point to like put him in his place a couple of times. And if yeah. he, if he oversteps too
2: far. My only question with that, though, is has Sam learned enough? Like, has he been there enough to have... Is, is like, this dragonglass thing big enough? Or is this curing Jorah thing big enough to make his time there worthwhile? Like, is there not something yeah. else that he needs to know and understand? I, I'm not sure what the Glass real candles. answer is. Yeah, but I, yeah. I feel like... I do feel like this is a catalyst for him to get out. Because he obviously went against regardless of if Jorah is healed or if whatever ends up happening. But I just feel like there has to be a little bit more unfinished business. Right. And yeah, I don't know.
3: Yeah. It does. It does feel like he hasn't. You're right. That I feel like he hasn't quite learned enough, but I don't
2: know, but maybe he has, I don't know. Maybe this dragon glass thing, or maybe Jorah is going to play a role that's going to be significant enough where Sam being there for that was the,
1: th- was the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what Jorah's going to be doing, but I think he's going to be cured. I'm not sure why else they would they would have spent so much time on this with him yeah. and Sam. Mm-hmm.
3: There's also the question of like, okay, so Sam is there to become a maester for the Night's Watch, but like almost everyone that I talk to in the fandom agrees that the wall is going to have to come down at some point. Yeah. Which means that like the Night's Watch won't have a job to do anymore and oh, yeah. so like like his end game there doesn't totally make any sense given like where we think the story's heading. And so
2: him becoming a maester isn't as important as it would seem.
3: And like, he can always go back (laughs) like after all (laughs) of this, like
2: Like,
3: after all the war is done, like get your education, get your master's degree, your maester's degree (laughs) later, (laughs) Sam.
2: (laughs) There's a war to fight.
1: (laughs) You can get leave for that. Take a a gap year to go fight. The White yeah, Walkers.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so, our final question that we we asked is Will Daenerys' counseled course of action change now that a, sig- now that a significant part of the plan has been thwarted by Euron Greyjoy? Yeah, is she going to be a dragon, like Olena said?
1: Just say, Well, that plan didn't work. Now we're going to have to go right for King's Landing.
2: I really liked this. Like, I-, I liked the fact that she got a blow this big because I do think that this was a significant. Thing for Danny. And you know, this was the, a huge part in, in her plan to move in on Westeros. And I feel like we talked uh-huh. a lot about, and we've talked a lot about what's going to be in Danny's way as she starts to try to conquer the Seven Kingdoms. And I feel like she kind of just rolled up to Dragonstone without much of an issue. And so I think that it's good that she's running into, like, having, she's going to have to make some strategic decisions. And she's not just going to be able to like hunky dory sail in and, and accomplish everything that she wants to.
3: Yeah. I also think that, like, if we think about season six as being the season where the various like main players got into their position of power, like, it was all about John kind of evolving from at, like being at his lowest point to ending Good. with being king in the north. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then (laughs) Danny again, she kind of started out, like, lost, not sure what was going on, ended with her finally sailing to Westeros. Cersei, same thing, like, pretty weak, surrounded by her enemies, ended with her on the throne. So, like, if season six was all about those three players getting into their seats of power, I think this season is probably going to focus on them coming to the realization that that's not what matters right now because we know that this war is coming and john seems to be the only one who cares about it and so i think that part of me thinks that this like that euron's attack on danny was like one more way to kind of bring her down a couple notches Mm -hmm. so that so that like by the time that john is finally trying to convince her that like they have bigger fish to fry she's not coming from a seat of like all consuming power anymore. Mm-hmm. Like yep. she's all she's already weakened a little bit. So like maybe she'll be a little bit more amenable to the idea that it would be in her best interest to team up for a bigger
2: cause. Yeah, I really like that. Needing more allies
1: and And he's still got to talk to her about White Walkers. So yeah. that's gonna be interesting. But as someone who's gone through what she's gone through and seen what she's seen, I think that, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he, I, I wonder if Tyrion will be there because it goes back to what we were saying earlier with with Tyrion come to terms with all this. It's not just Tyrion; it's right. the rest of them.
3: Well, right, because I'm like I'm like Danny. You were handed these three dragon eggs. You own you were dragons. Were, <laughs> yeah, everyone told you that dragons didn't exist anymore, including your brother, who was obsessed with dragons, and you made them exist again in the world. Also, crazy you can blood stand and fire.
0: Also, Remember, you
3: are immune to fire, which is a show only thing, and deserves. Yeah. A, a whole, I can do a whole podcast on it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Daenerys being immune to fire, but right, I'm like, if anyone should understand, it's her. Right. So, yeah, I think that that will probably play into to this whole the Euron Attack
2: in the future. Got some good momentum for Cersei and the Lannister. Newly aligned Greyjoy side, so I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to. Well, I hate saying looking forward, but I am looking forward to <laughs> the seeing Euron <laughs> roll back into King's, in Landing. King's Landing. Yeah, I mean I. I just hit all of his scenes have been unbelievable. And I feel like every time I say that people are just going to say it's because I'm in love with him, but that's just that's not fine. The, case.
1: <laughs> the heart wants okay, what it wants. Well,
2: as someone who's not in love with him,
1: <laughs> this is new.
3: I would say that he has been like markedly improved.
2: He just has such a great presence.
3: Yeah. We've really only had four scenes with him. Right. So we mm-hmm. had his, we had his introduction on the bridge with Balan which I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved everything about that so much. It was like one of my favorite character introductions they have ever done. It was really impressive with how like late in the game they were bringing in this new face, and yet he felt so immediately established. So that was amazing. And then Kingsmoot was like the polar opposite of that for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Like, it took a turn for the worse. It was like really clunky dialogue. There were way too many dick jokes. That crown. There was like... The was the ground, <laughs> the, the, like, where are my niece and nephew? Let's his go long, murder them. Mm-hmm. Like, lots of problems. <laughs> but, so now we've had, we've had scene number three and four from him, which was, like, his throne room scene with Cersei and Jaime, and now this fight, and, like, those were also both really amazing for me, and I was surprised by how much I was able to, like, come back from the king's moot, and, like, yeah. I... I really bought into their revamping of him, and so I think now he's like he's three for four with like really solid scenes, and so I'm now I I get it. I'm I'm on Team Euron, even though I don't like love him, but right, I right. I but think he, that they've done a really good job with with bringing that character.
2: Yeah, and making him into this person that should genuinely be feared who yeah. talks the talk and walks the walk. And so-
1: Plus he dropped from that plank at, on a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Plus, like, I don't know if Did anybody saw that. On <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the,
3: like, I came in like a friend? <laughs> oh my God. <gosh. laughs> <laughs> uh, yep,
2: yeah. Man, I love the internet. That's cool. It's the best, isn't it? Today's show is sponsored by Stitch Fix.
1: If you're like a lot of guys, you could probably think of a million things you'd rather be doing than shopping for clothes. Between the parking and crowds at the mall and the endless browsing and lack of advice online, it's enough to make you want to rock the same t-shirt and jeans forever. But you can't. So let me tell you about Stitch Fix Men.
2: They've reimagined how to find and buy clothes and you never even have to leave the house. It's that easy. Just go to stitchfix.com and tell them your sizes, your favorite types of clothes, and how much you want to spend.
1: After that, your personal stylist gets to work handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and your budget. Five items are delivered right to your door. You try them on at home, and you only pay for what you keep.
2: Shipping's free both ways, so anything you don't want, just send it back, and exchanges are always free, too. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whatever you'd like.
1: Hannah and I have been friends for a long time, and I know that she can definitely vouch For the fact that I'm a particular dresser, and it's just one of those things that, um, I don't know, I don't really waver on. But when I was using the Stitch Fix service, I was impressed by just how precise you can get with your choices and just how deep the options are.
2: Stepping out of your one outfit comfort zone. A little bit. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you feel like it. There's no subscription required. It's easy. The shipping is free. Why not give it a try? I promise you'll be hooked.
1: Get started now at stitchfix.com owns, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. 25% off. That's stitchfix.com O-W-N-S to get started today.
2: Stitchfix.com owns.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Casper.
2: The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it.
1: With Casper, you get free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. For me, it's the only thing I sleep on. I obviously tried it out and kept it. I'm constantly fighting with my Dire Wolf strike for Mattress Real Estate. And for that, I thank you, Casper.
2: Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash owns and using offer code
1: owns. That is O-W-N-S. And yes, terms and conditions apply. Thanks, Casper. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, owns for Stormborn. Happy Game of Owning, everybody. This is Jeff from the band Daenerys and the Targaryens. This is our song, White Walkers, which asks the question, what the heck do they want? You know, maybe the White Walkers so just want love
0: down or something. Like maybe White Walker
1: Tinder, right?
2: Hey, we have Swipe Angela Birmingham who says, Own goes to Hot Pie for playing his reunion with Arya as smooth up. as his brown buttered crust. Mm. Hashtag Pie Pimp, hashtag True Gentleman, hashtag Pie Stark, hashtag I ship it
1: barb s on facebook owned to the transitions between scenes in this episode hashtag is that grayscale pie hashtag game of thrones (laughs) ruining pie since 2k16 (laughs) all
3: right this one's from jeremy david own to Euron for making the grandest entrance in a fight in Game of Thrones <laughs> history and effectively ending the living nightmare that was the Sand Snake <laughs> storyline. Hashtag is that Victarion's ex? <laughs> Hashtag give your uncle a kiss? Hashtag Game of mm. Thrones.
2: Landry Nance, my own goes to Miss Sunday. No stones, no pillar, no problem. Hashtag them <laughs> sheets got sullied. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> These hashtags Ooh. are amazing. Oh, hashtags so are the best started. part. <laughs> oh
1: my god. <laughs> Brandy Ann, owned to Sam Longbottom Tarly, breaking rules and getting just enough points to win the house cup. Hashtag mandrakes and dragonglass. (laughs) Love it. You're a wizard. You're a wizard. Harry.
3: Amy Pfeiffer, owned to Varys for not reminding that snooty dragon queen that without him she'd be dead. He says, feed me to your dragons, whatever. I'm here for the people and I choose you. Bravo also own to
2: Aria and Hot Pie exchanging baking hacks. They, they both bake. Mary Boosin who says own to Hot Pie for browning the butter, own to Nymeria for showing what a pack is for, own to both of them for setting my girl Aria on the proper path northward toward home. Hashtag pie, goals, <laughs> pie hashtag, hashtag them, go- them
1: <laughs> Browning the butter own. That's perfect. All right. M- Rebecca McFarland. Own to the subtle change in Arya's eyes when she hears that Jon is the king of the north and the Boltons no longer hold Winterfell. Hashtag no more winter hell. Hashtag some humanity left. Hashtag Arya Stark phone home. Hashtag the pack survives.
3: <laughs> All right, Ashley Lynette owned to Nymeria for being an independent wolf who don't need no man <laughs> or woman. Hashtag lemonade, hashtag R-E-Z, <laughs> hashtag <laughs> jacking with the good hair. Yeah,
1: it is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Better call uh, jacking with the good hair. That's a great one. Jenny Miara, owned to Sam for being a true man of the Night's Watch and helping the former Lord Commander's son. Also owned to Jon Snow for giving us a deja vu moment from season one of a Stark Ned choking little finger. Hashtag you're a very funny man. Hashtag don't repeat Ned's mistakes.
1: <laughs> I love that line when he's like, you're a very funny man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: funny man aren't you
1: <laughs> sophie alexandra job, my Bean. own goes to lady elena she straight up told you to ignore Tyrion, danny and she continues to outlive men high five emoji hashtag listen to your granny hashtag always stake a dragon oh always take a dragon <laughs> sorry kyber hashtag that wasn't a battle it was a massacre these hashtags
3: <laughs> they're great from kip hendrix my own for Dragonstone. well it's stormborn but that's okay kip we still love you we still love Goes you to D&D oh. slash, slash cogman for confirming or seriously trolling us regarding the sam as narrator theory archmaester ebros what you don't like the title what would you call it then samwell possibly something a little bit more poetic uh. #Hashtag a song of ice and fire <laughs> i also love that moment
2: because i would not be surprised if sam is actually the narrator of this epic story.
1: They're in back cool again. Theory.
2: Yeah. Danny Hebb, owned to John and Danny for finally being able to meet and owned to Theon for his solid seven out of ten cannonball off the deck. Hashtag <laughs> 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 2020 Team Westeros. Keep practicing.
1: Dylan L. The diving
2: team is just Bal and Greyjoy.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the Greyjoy diving, family diving team.
2: <laughs> I would kill for a t-shirt that says Greyjoy diving team or something like that that's hilarious I think we need to make it
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a very uh, what's what's the guy's name who made Life Aquatic
2: Steve Zissou
1: no that's Steve well, Zissou who's no. <laughs> the guy who made the movie
2: uh, Wes well, Anderson
1: it'd be a very Wes Anderson aesthetic the Greyjoy family diving team
2: it would. I'm so into it
1: Dylan L my first own ghost to Randall Tarley. Congrats on your first own. He may be a dick, but he's a dick with some honor. Second goes to Euron Greyjoy for single handedly exterminating the sand snakes. Hashtag Euron Rewrites two K seventeen.
3: Uh Tony Ferry. Own to quote, You're not dying tonight,
2: Sir Jorah. From Samuel Tarley. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Rose Eggleston, Arya, and Nymeria owned my feelings. I had tears.
1: Mary Channon, owned to Dickens slash Rickon, and there are 13 (laughs) different crying and laughing emojis.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Aw, this one's sad. Joshua Green says, "Own
2: goes to Ramsay
3: for instilling reek forever. Mm.
1: Real bit ouch. Right
2: in the feels. This one might be my favorite one. Because it's a West Wing reference, which I'm always here for 100% of the time. Um, Brennan Daughtry says, own to Jamie for his political skills. Hashtag walk and talk Westeros.
1: Johanna (laughs) on Facebook, half an own to Jon Snow for choking Littlefinger. The own would have been complete if he had finished the job. Oof. (laughs) Real.
3: You're doing amazing, sweetie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We have to tweet that out tonight. When Let's just, just,
1: how do we do it, Hold on. I'm going to find you're doing amazing. Sweetie. I have it.
2: I already have it. I will send it to
1: you. Send it to me. I just...
2: have
3: it too. <laughs> you're doing amazing, sweetie. What was next? Oh, Shannon Spicer owned to all the girl power in Danny's throne room. Hell yeah.
2: Next, we have Michael Lang who says owned to Davos because dot 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 why not? <laughs> It doesn't make sorry, sense.
1: I'm just looking at Kim's Twitter.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, sorry. I love this. Like Hannah and I, this is our favorite stuff. So true. Honestly, like the fact that the season's on and everything's so fun right now, and the con was so fun. We're just rolling around like pigs and shit all the time now. We're just like, this is so fun. Anyway, where are we?
3: It's the best.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't do it very well. all right, let's just forget I said anything. Here we go. Heather Churchill. My own goes to Jorah's letter. Even when he's writing it out, I can hear England's voice saying, Khaleesi, (laughs) you drink.
3: (laughs) All right. We got Sam Rosenberg. Owned the look on Euron's face as Theon ran away like it's, mighty, like it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
2: Hashtag maniacal laughter. Hashtag brave servant. Stop Robin.
0: Hashtag chicken <laughs> of Bristol. <laughs> These are
2: great. Ali Sparkles on Twitter owned to Alfie Allen. His scene turning back into Reek was heart wrenching and impeccably acted.
1: Jerry and Mouse mm-hmm. owned a hot pie, the pastry chef that was promised. Browning the butter beforehand <laughs> is a secret that will save the realm. Hashtag Azore hot pie. Whoa. <laughs> well Zora done well done
0: uh jeremy <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep i'm gonna read this <laughs> jeremy
3: mcguyen owns to gray worm for invading the south <laughs> and bending the knee oh, you know what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> uh, one step so further good.
2: Liv b owned to ned's bones making it t- to winterfell in the show and the hype about the little finger John interaction leading to nothing much.
1: Fair. At B Sue on Twitter. Own goes to Queen Cersei's spewing Targaryen propaganda. Hashtag fake media.
3: Warden of the North slash at ours is the fury seventy-six. Own to Misande from the island of Noth. That is
2: all. That is all. Mike Moss at Mike Q. Own to Sam for channeling his inner Kyburn with Ser Jorah. Hashtag Kyburn's Carving Corner. Oof.
1: Yasmin Booth. <laughs> own to danny for calling Varys out and asking for simple honesty she's a lot smarter than people give her credit for uh
3: the scholar knight at mr crimson 99 another own to nymeria for peacing
2: out when she remembered what happens to stark direwolves who stay with their owner hashtag nope <laughs> hashtag not today not today Allison fente to alfie allen for tearing our hearts out once again give the man an emmy already
1: steph nelson own goes to Hot Pie and Airy reunion. Can we have a spinoff series where they run the end together? Hashtag fuck this, let's make pie.
3: All right. Steve Howard at Power Howard. I respect that. That's a good handle. That's a
2: good, that's pretty good, <laughs> that's a good handle.
3: <laughs> uh, owned a gray worm for the no doubter <laughs> of a pickup line. If you fear dogs, you'd sleep with them. I fear you. Dun-
1: Whoa. Dun- dun.
2: <laughs> Hashtag Westeros Tinder pickup lines.
1: Ooh, real Kofefe wrote to us and wrote, Owned to Ned Stark for getting his head back.
2: John Webster at John Webster 84. Own goes to the Sand Snakes for finally getting a decent fight choreographer. Amy Lloyd. Owned to
3: Maisie Williams acting her ass off with almost no words spoken. Hashtag
2: Nymeria reunion. Hashtag heartbreaking but hopeful. At It Be Rob, my own goes to Theon, who will now turn into Aquaman. Sure hope he finds a trident while swimming to the shore. (laughs) At Horizons,
1: 1983, owned to Tyrion for using a phrase known only to him and Jon to prove his validity and for not mentioning bending the knee. All
3: right, Heathen King, owned to Jorah Mormont, getting his goddamn skin cut off. <laughs> Hashtag, and you thought poop soup loop. Poop Gross. soup loop.
2: <laughs> Real. Scoop Emily says, own to Sunday's English degree in translating prophecies. Hashtag, doesn't holler off the top. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Pat Rouleau, own to the dragon statues at Dragonstone that look kind of like the dragons in Mulan. Hashtag, where Mushu at?
1: <laughs> <laughs> look it up.
3: <laughs> look it up. It's great.
1: And finally... From our friends at Radio Westeros, our final own of the episode. I think we can all agree. Radio Westeros writes own to Hot Pie for holding down a job. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Afternoon delight. It is really impressive in this economy. Mm -hmm.
1: It's true.
2: He's doing amazing. He's
3: doing amazing,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sweetie. That's
3: what Aria should have said. All of
1: these owns. You're doing amazing, sweeties. Thank you so much for writing into our (laughs) podcast, everyone. After, Uh, Especially on Sunday night when things are so wild. I know that you're at your own Mm -hmm. watch parties or writing your own articles like Kim does for... Game of Thrones late at night, but uh, you all made time to send us a ridiculous amount of tweets, and thank you.
2: And if you want to send in your owns, you can do that in a lot of different ways. You can find us on Twitter, at Game of Owns, or on Facebook, at Game of Owns, or you can send us an email at contact at com.
1: This week, we are making an episode for the Prince of Winterfell from Season 2, Episode 8 of Game of Thrones for our series, Rewatch the Throne. On Stitcher Premium.
2: As we were talking about in this episode the whole time, there have been so many callbacks and parallels between the early seasons and where we are here in season seven. So it's fun to be in the weeds over there in season two and kind of draw the similarities between what's going on now and what has happened in the past. So definitely a good time you can
1: find the podcast at rewatchthrone.com or on stitcher premium with the rest of the shows
2: and if that isn't enough we have a another podcast on our patreon feed called the squad of ice and fire which is exactly as it sounds
1: you're gonna have some of kim's outtakes yeah you guys to check it out
2: exactly so you can head over to patreon.com goo and support us over there and also check out a squad of ice and fire
1: we've received a handful of new reviews on itunes since the season began so thank you very much if you were one of those people and also, if you're one of those people that thought it would be, oh, I should go do a review, but you never got around to it. That's okay, too. The thought counts. We appreciate it. But if you'd like to help right now, iTunes is featuring a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts in their store, and we would love to be featured or um, we'll continue to be featured among them. So if you get a chance to head on over there and give us a rate and review, we appreciate it.
2: Kim, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us and laughing at the same memes and bringing (laughs) so much insight into this episode and the series as a whole it's been really really fun
3: yeah this was a blast thank you guys so much for inviting me this yeah this has been super super fun i hope to be back i don't know if you guys do repeat guests but i'm i was gonna ask will you please
1: come back on the podcast (laughs)
3: yes (laughs) please yes i would love that you guys are awesome and this this was so much fun
1: okay well we're planning on it You're already. already here first. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Follow along with Kim's work on this is insider.com and she's going to be better at telling you about social media.
3: Yeah, you can find me. I'm on Twitter a lot more these days than I ever have been in my life, which is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> both detrimental to my like sleep schedule, but also so much fun. So yeah, you can, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kim R Renfro. That's R E N F R O. And on the general interwebs. So Come find me, talk to me, ask me any questions, correct me when I'm wrong about Game of Thrones stuff, <laughs> which doesn't happen very much, but it does. And I'm always, I'm welcome to construct constructive criticism. So yeah, come hang out.
1: Are you guys excited for episode three? So I can't excited. wait. I can't ready, wait. justice.
3: But I'm also ready. Oh my John God. John and Danny, we are ready for you. I don't know if I am, but I'm going to... Friday. We have no choice. <laughs> we it's have gonna no choice. It's going to be us. Be
1: there Sunday yeah. night. Yeah, be peace
2: I'll send you this picture after. No,
1: send it to me now, please, Kim. Hold can on. you just text it to me?
2: Okay, fine. Here yes. you go. I'm gonna, I have it up right now. I'm ready
1: to tweet it right now. Although, like, how I do you... I? How do I tweet it? Like, I want to like say something like Kim's on the podcast, and then like it says you're doing great, sweetie. But then it seems like <laughs> then it seems like we're like saying she's like she's that's definitely perfect. okay. Good.
2: That's fine. Just be like, be like, we had such a great time with Kim on the podcast tonight.
1: <laughs> We're almost finished recording. We're almost finished recording our new episode with at Kim Remfra. and then double R. Yeah. And so should so I put like two of funny. those like little squiggly signs that we like to put when something's awkward, Hannah?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Do you know what I'm talking about, Kim? Yeah. Here, let me just, because Kim's Kim's like a pro. Like, we really need Kim's thoughts. Uh, I like how the. Thoughts.
2: <laughs> yes, make sure it looks good. All
1: right, that's the tweet with the picture. What do you think, Kim?
2: We're almost finished. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. This is my favorite thing in the world. This is too much for <laughs> Who's me. I'm going to this... This... <laughs> frame this picture.
1: Can I, I tag really the want photo to. Kim I Kardashian?
2: Like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, please.
1: <laughs> Who's in this photo? Kim Kardashian West, okay? <laughs> yes. Okay. Also, thanks to Stitch Fix for sponsoring today's episode.
2: They've reimagined how to find and buy clothes, and you never even have to leave the house. It's that easy.
1: Five items are delivered right to your door. You try them on at home, and you only pay for what you keep. Just go to stitchfix.com and tell them your sizes, your favorite types of clothes, and how much you want to spend.
2: Your personal stylist then gets to work handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and budget. It's easy. The shipping is free. Why not give it a try? I promise you'll be hooked.
1: Get started now at stitchfix.com owns and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box.
2: That's stitchfix.com owns to get started today. Stitchfix.com O-W-N-S.